welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the Feast of St. Leo the Great. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, who never allow the gates of hell to prevail against your church, firmly founded on the apostolic rock. Grant her, we pray, that through the intercession of Pope St. Leo, she may stand firm in your truth and know the protection of lasting peace. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to Titus. It is for you to preach the behavior which goes with healthy doctrine. The older men should be reserved, dignified, moderate, sound in faith, in love and constancy. Similarly, the older women should behave as though they were religious, with no scandal-mongering and no habitual wine-drinking. They are to be teachers of the right behavior and show the younger women how they should love their husbands and love their children, how they are to be sensible and chaste, and how to work in their homes and be gentle and do as the husbands tell them, so that the message of God is never disgraced. In the same way, you have got to persuade the younger men to be moderate in everything you do, make yourself an example to them of working for good. When you are teaching, be an example to them in your sincerity and earnestness, and in keeping all that you say so wholesome that nobody can make objections to it, and then any opponent will be at a loss, with no accusation to make against us. You see, God's grace has been revealed, and it has made salvation possible for the whole human race and taught us that what we have to do is to give up everything that does not lead to God. In all our worldly ambitions, we must be self-restrained and live good and religious lives here in the present world while we are waiting in hope for the blessing which will come with the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. He sacrificed himself for us in order to set us free from all wickedness and to purify people so that it could be his very own and would have no ambition except to do good. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The salvation of the just comes from the Lord. The salvation of the just comes from the Lord. If you trust in the Lord and do good, then you will live in the land and be secure. If you find your delight in the Lord, he will grant your heart's desire. The salvation of the just comes from the Lord. He protects the lives of the upright. Their heritage will last forever. 
The Lord guides the steps of a man and makes safe the path of one he loves. The salvation of the just comes from the Lord. Then turn away from evil and do good, and you shall have a home forever. The just shall inherit the land, there they shall live forever. The salvation of the just comes from the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia. All who love me will keep my words, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, Which of you, with a servant ploughing or minding sheep, would say to him when he returned from the fields, Come and have your meal immediately? Would he not be more likely to say, Get my supper laid? Make yourself tidy and wait on me while I eat and drink? You can eat and drink afterwards. Must he be grateful to the servant for doing what he was told? So with you. When you have done all you have been told to do, say, We are merely servants. We have done no more than our duty. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So I'll be honest with you, this parable kind of confused me for a long time. Um, Because it seems to conflict with uh, something that Jesus says earlier on in Luke's gospel. Um, You know, in chapter 12, we hear um, the parable about the return of the master. Um, Let me read it quickly. Um, Be like men waiting for their master to return from the wedding feast, ready to open the door as soon as he comes and knocks. Happy those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. I tell you solemnly, he will put on an apron, sit them down at table and wait on them. So what's the go? When the master comes back, is he is he going to put on an apron and serve the servants? Or uh, is he going to come back and, you know, make the servants get him dinner? You probably don't need to be told which one I'm going for. Um, look, as with everything in the scriptures, context is everything. But the gospel which we have today is actually pulled a little bit out of its context. Because I think the preceding verses give a bit of shape uh, and a bit of an interpretative key to the gospel that we have today. So, you know, we're in a little phase of the gospel where, you know, Jesus gives a few, like, quick-fire little sayings. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord replied, were your faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. So the disciples at this point recognize their need for more faith and probably the reality that they haven't got very much of it. (laughs) It seems as though Jesus acknowledges the fact that they don't have very much of it because he says, well, if you had the faith as the size of a mustard seed, and it's like, well, clearly they don't even have the faith the size of a mustard seed. But there are a few characters in Luke's gospel who are praised for their faith. Like, remember... The mates who carry the paralytic friend to be healed by the Lord. Uh, and then you've got the Roman centurion who, you know, says, only say the word and my servant will be healed. Uh, and the woman with the hemorrhage who approaches Jesus for healing and isn't afraid to reach out and to touch him. You know, go, your faith has saved you. There's a real quality of confidence about all of these examples. Those who have faith, the ones who have faith, you know, even the size of a mustard seed, are the ones who proceed in confidence. 
the ones who truly rely on the Lord. They're coming to Jesus with a sense of urgency uh, and with a sense of trust, right? When Jesus offers to come and heal the uh, servant of the Roman soldier and says, you know, I'll come to your place. And he's like, no, you don't need to do that. Nah, I trust you. I know you're a man invested with authority, just like me. And, you know, just say the word and that's enough. And then, you know, you've got that woman with the hemorrhage. Like she reaches out and grabs Jesus and touches the hem of his garment. A really big no-no. But, but you know, hey, I, I, I need to do this. And if I do, this is going to be the thing that changes everything. I mean, remember the guys, you know, carrying their paralytic friend on the stretcher, you know, they, they removed the ceiling tiles from the synagogue in order to lower him down. So you get this question, right? Like, well, how do you measure the size of faith? Uh, you know, the disciples say, increase it for us. And Jesus points to something tiny, 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 a mustard seed. Well, It's about trust, isn't it? Those who are praised for their faith, that's the example that they give. So it's about being in friendship with God. Faith isn't just about, you know, the content of the things that we believe. Well, I think this is true and I think this is true and I think this is true, you know. I believe in the Trinity. I believe in the Incarnation. I believe in the Virgin Birth. You know, okay, fair enough. All that's important. But do I live in a way that is shaped by my trust in God. i got to live out that relationship, that right relationship with God. And I think precisely that gives the right shape to this little parable that Jesus gives us. Jesus is describing this right relationship of faith between God and the disciple. Which of you, with a servant plowing or minding sheep, would say to him when he returned from the fields, come and have your meal immediately? Would he not be more likely to say, get my supper laid, make yourself tidy and wait on me while I eat and drink? You can eat and drink yourselves afterwards. Must he be grateful to the servant for doing what he was told? Well, right, here's the upshot. So with you, when you have done all you have been told to do, say, we are merely servants, we have done no more than our duty. Perhaps we could ask ourselves what the opposite of this would look like. You know, have the kind of attitude, not of a slave, but of a salaried worker. You're minding or ploughing sheep for the employer. And when the day's done, you come back to the farmhouse and he says, uh, hey, do you want to get my dinner ready? And it's like, um, no, <laughs> I've clocked off. What are you talking about? This isn't in my job description. I need to be paid for what I've done. And fair enough too, right? Because the hired employee, he's not going to live with his master. (laughs) He's got to go home to his family. He's he's earned that money precisely for something else, for his own household. But that's not the reality of a servant, of a slave. Now, bear in mind, (laughs) I'm not advocating for slavery here, but, you know, Jesus is certainly using this image as a, a powerful way of describing right relationship with God. Do we get to the point where we say, right, my work here is done and I can finally start living for myself? If we think in these terms, then there's something I think that we haven't properly understood about our relationship with God. You know, that final phrase of the gospel says, look, we're merely servants. We've done no more than our duty. Um, And the technical description for the servants in this text says that they are mere servants. 
but they're the kinds of servants who aren't entitled to a salary because they form part of the household. We're the kind of servants who don't need to be repaid. The recompense is the friendship itself. It's the service itself. The salary for living the life of faith is the life of faith itself. The salary for serving is the Lord. The salary for serving the Lord is the service itself. Faith isn't the means to a greater end. Service isn't the means to a greater reward. The point of friendship is the friendship. Serving is salvation itself. And so, you know, if we walk around with a hand outstretched, waiting for some kind of recompense for God for the acts of faith and service which we accomplish, then we're quite mistaken about our relationship with God. To live, serving God, is the gift. Joy is to go to sleep at night, having accomplished what God has entrusted us to do. I'm often reminded by a line which was given by a priest in the seminary um, that has really stuck with me. He said, you should go to bed tired, but a good tired. I find it quite insightful because it implies that there is a bad kind of tired, the kind of tired that just brings exhaustion and frustration. A sense that I've spent myself and it's made me less. But I think there is a good kind of tired, that having exerted ourselves in the friendship of the Lord, that this is the good kind of tired which comes from working towards the very meaning and purpose of my life. That spending my life in this manner is not something that causes me frustration or makes me feel that I'm less, but in fact that I'm more. If I'm merely looking towards God as the one who will pay my salary and then I can go off and do what I really want to do. You know, the, the reason why I was working is precisely so that I could accomplish what I really wanted to do. You know what? You get to the end of that day and you get tired. No, God is the end. He is the reason. And the labor is still arduous, but it's the good kind of tired. It's the kind of crazy ride to heaven that leads to true friendship with him. Now, What do we know about God? Well, he is like the master who comes back from the wedding feast and who, finding his servant at his post, will put on an apron and serve a banquet for him. But if we're at our post just so that we could get a banquet, we'll have missed the friendship with the master. We'll have loved the reward more than the master. So here we very much get a gospel that puts us in right relationship with God that puts us on the path towards having the faith the size of a mustard seed, the kind of faith that truly recognises that we are part of God's household. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy 
we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide, so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father. Thank you.